Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions of domestic abuse, murder, suicide, self-harm, and other adult content. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. If you or anyone you know is having suicidal thoughts or feelings, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. It was a gloomy day in 1937. The saloon was crowded, but the pianist's tune cut through the room loud and clear. 24-year-old Jerry Flanders, a music producer, stared at the pint of beer in front of him. It had been sitting untouched for a while, probably room temperature by now. But he knew he wouldn't leave the bar without downing the drink. As the pianist wrapped up her set, she stepped away from the instrument for her break. Jerry caught her eye, and she smiled. Her warmth was like a gust of clear air in a musty crypt. He beckoned, and she joined him at his table. Their conversation didn't take long. Jerry slid a small wad of cash across the table and told her he wanted to hear the cult hit, Gloomy Sunday. The woman didn't even count the bills. Instead, she slipped them into her purse and returned to her spot at the piano. Thus, the last bit of unfinished business in Jerry's life was resolved. As the first familiar chords began to sound, Jerry rapped on the tabletop to get the attention of everyone in the bar. Jerry lifted his beer for all to see. He announced that he'd earlier slipped a fatal dose of poison into the drink. And before all of the witnesses he would chug it and die. Then Jerry lifted the beer to his lips. Welcome to The Dark Side Of, a ParCast original, a show where we will delve into the seedy underbelly of pop culture icons and historical events. We aim to expose the ugly truth behind the cultural moments and public figures we hold most dear, proving that there is always more to the story than meets the eye. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm Kate. This is our 10th and last episode exploring the dark side of the music industry. 
The business has, especially in the last century, been synonymous with some of the most sordid aspects of our society. From rampant drug use to the exploitative creation of pop stars to brutal violence and murder, the industry can be a volatile and dangerous environment. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream The Dark Side Of for free on Spotify, just open the app and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. This week, we're telling the story of Gloomy Sunday, otherwise known as the Hungarian Suicide Song. Since its release in 1933, this melancholy tune has been ostensibly linked to more than 200 deaths by suicide, including that of the composer. We'll look at the song's macabre history and explore the ways that music can change the mindset and brain patterns of its listeners. Whether Gloomy Sunday can genuinely drive a person to an unstable mental state, or if its fatal features are just urban legend, one thing is certain. Music can fundamentally shape our lives, experiences, and deaths. In the past nine episodes, we discussed the dark side of the music industry, specifically the way that music can destroy the lives of artists, composers, and managers. From Elvis Presley's isolation and drug use to Suge Knight's brutal business practices, the music we love is often created by troubled people. The pressures of fame, the allure of wealth, and the crushing drive to succeed tends to destroy the industry's most beloved and talented creators. But for this final episode, we want to turn the tables. We want to look at the fans. How does music affect the people who consume it? And does it have the power to destroy their lives as well? Music's impact on the listener is well documented. Study after study has tracked and quantified the ways that rhythm, melody, and lyrics can alter our mood, change our brain chemistry, and even fundamentally rewire thought patterns. Author and music education expert Donna Brink-Fox's study, Music and the Baby's Brain, Early Experiences, explored how infants respond to music. She found that infants' mental development and higher-level cognition were both improved in babies that were exposed to tunes in the first days of their lives. Likewise, in 2011, a group of researchers at the Montreal Neurological Institute found that listening to music can trigger a person's release of dopamine, a feel-good hormone that improves mood. All of these studies look at the positive impact music can have on a person's mindset. But given how powerful rhythm and melody can be, it seems inevitable that certain songs could spur dark moods and dark effects as well. This brings us to Gloomy Sunday by Rezo Sherish and Laszlo Yavor. It's generally agreed that Sherish composed the tune and Yavor wrote the lyrics, although some suggest that Sherish also wrote an original alternative set of verses 
that were thrown out in favor of Yavor's version. According to urban legend, this song is so tragic, it can inspire people to commit suicide after they hear it. And while this seems like a wild allegation to make against a mere song, history shows that tragic deaths have always followed in this particular song's wake. Even before it was released, Gloomy Sunday's creators lived somber lives in a melancholic world. Little is known about Cherish's and Yavor's past, and there are several competing theories about the circumstances around the song's composition. One thing all the stories agree upon, however, is that Cherish, and to a lesser extent, Yavor, lived lives marked by tragedy. Cherish was born on November 3, 1889, in Budapest. In his youth, he worked as a trapeze artist, but after an injury, he turned to music composition. He wrote a number of other popular Hungarian tunes, including a commemorative song for the Hungarian Communist Party, before composing his biggest hit. In one version of the story, Cherish hit a particular emotional low point when his girlfriend left him in the early 1930s. Mired in his post-breakup misery, 32-year-old Cherish wrote Gloomy Sunday to capture his sense of despair at the dissolution of his relationship. Other versions of the story suggest it was Yavor, not Cherish, who was dumped. According to some, Cherish originally wrote lyrics that were less melancholy, but Yavor threw them out in favor of words that reflected his own heartbreak. Those original Hungarian lyrics, when translated into English, feature lines like, It is autumn and the leaves are falling. All love has died on earth. The wind is weeping with sorrowful tears. My heart will never hope for a new spring again. That's one explanation for how the song was composed. Another states that Cherish felt a sense of existential dread at the worsening political situation in Hungary. In 1933, the Great Depression was at its height, and Adolf Hitler's rise to power in Germany spelled doom in the eyes of many Europeans, especially those who were Jewish, like Cherish. And Gloomy Sunday was the natural artistic outgrowth of Cherish's anxieties. Whichever version of the story is true, it's clear that Cherish or Yavor were in a negative mental state when they wrote the iconic song. And the composer's dour moods, regardless of their cause, struck a chord with its listeners. According to legend, the song was so melancholy, Cherish's publishers initially rejected the music, saying, It is not that the song is sad. There is a sort of terrible, compelling despair about it. I don't think it would do anyone any good to hear a song like that. But Cherish was undeterred. He submitted the music to a second recording company, and this time he was successful. The song was released in 1933. The day after the song was released, either Cherish or Yavor allegedly received terrible news. His ex-girlfriend, the same woman who'd inspired the song in the first place, had died. She'd taken a fatal dose of poison. Her suicide note featured only two words, Gloomy Sunday. At this point, we should note that there's no real way to verify any of this story, and it's most likely untrue. 
the ex-girlfriend's name is not known, nor is there any contemporary widespread coverage of her death. This initial suicide may be an invention, an outgrowth of the legend that came to surround Gloomy Sunday in later years. While it's questionable whether this ex-girlfriend ever existed or if the circumstances of her death match the popular theories about it, we do know that in the years after Gloomy Sunday was released, a spate of self-harm and suicide followed. In 1935, two years after the song came out, a Budapest shoemaker named Josef Keller died of suicide. The note he left behind featured quoted lyrics from Gloomy Sunday. The next year, a woman in Berlin died when she hung herself in the shop where she worked. Police found the sheet music for Gloomy Sunday on the ground beneath the grisly scene. Reports of Gloomy Sunday-related deaths proliferated, although most, including the following, remain unverifiable. Around 1936, one woman was found dead of an intentional overdose in London with the record playing on repeat in her apartment. That same year, an old man plummeted to his death from his high apartment window after hearing the tune. One woman who gassed herself to death specifically requested the song be played at her funeral. In Hungary alone, 17 deaths by suicide were supposedly connected to Gloomy Sunday by 1936, a mere three years after the tune's release. The pattern was clear, at least in theory, and people soon began to refer to Sheresh and Yavor's work as the Hungarian Suicide Song. Rizzo Sheresh's life after Gloomy Sunday was particularly harsh. He survived a Nazi labor camp only to be relatively trapped in Budapest by the then-communist government, unable to collect his earnings from the song in America. In 1968, the 78-year-old composer leapt out of a window in his apartment in an attempted suicide. After being taken to the hospital, he committed suicide by strangling himself with a wire. Those who believe that Gloomy Sunday is a cursed song point to Sheresh's demise as the ultimate example of its tragedy. The Hungarian suicide song doesn't only destroy the lives of those who listen to it, it also killed the man who composed it. On the other hand, it's clear that Sheresh was in a poor mental state when he wrote his signature song. There's no reason to think Gloomy Sunday caused his suicidal ideation when those impulses may well have been within him from the beginning. It's really a question of cause and effect. Did Cherish write a deeply saddening song as a natural outgrowth of his suicidal depression? Or did the tune drive him to despair? The answer entirely depends on your own perception. Whether or not there is a causal link between the song Gloomy Sunday and self-harm, the correlation was clear enough and concerning enough that in the late 1930s, the nation of Hungary banned the song. But the censorship didn't protect the rest of the world from the song's curse. Within a few years of its release, the English-speaking world would produce their own version of the tune, and more deaths would follow. Up next, Billie Holiday covers Gloomy Sunday in English, and the curse continues. Now back to the story. 
Earlier, we explored the lives of composer Rezo Sherish and lyricist Laszlo Yavor, who suffered a series of personal disappointments on the eve of Hungary's entrance into World War II. Sherish captured his melancholy in the sad song Gloomy Sunday before he killed himself in 1968. His was just one such death linked to the song. Over time, Gloomy Sunday gained a notorious reputation. It came to be known as the Hungarian Suicide Song, thanks to at least 17 suicide deaths linked to the tune. Although the associations with Gloomy Sunday were primarily negative, the taboo aspect generated a cult following. Just three years after the Hungarian version was released, American composer Hal Kemp and lyricist Sam M. Lewis dropped their own English version in 1936. Kemp and Lewis didn't directly translate Javor's Hungarian words. Instead, their English version leaned into the song's suicide association. They composed lyrics like, Gloomy is Sunday, with shadows I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there'll be candles and prayers that are sad, I know. Let them not weep. Let them know that I'm glad to go. Unlike other tragic figures tied to the song Gloomy Sunday, Kemp had a celebrated and successful life. He was only 14 years old when his career began in 1919, and his early adult life was marked by success after success on the jazz scene. His band, Hal Kemp and his orchestra, had multiple best-selling hits. But only four years after he released his version of Gloomy Sunday, Kemp met a quick and tragic end. On December 19, 1940, he was driving late during a foggy night when a truck sped out of nowhere and smashed into his car. Kemp spent two days in the hospital before he finally died at the age of 36. Kemp's English version of the song was covered dozens of times by countless artists. But only one recording would achieve iconic status. In 1941, jazz singer Billie Holiday released her cover of the song. Born on April 7, 1915, in either Baltimore or Philadelphia, Holiday became a star when she was discovered in 1934 at the age of 19. But Holiday soon found that the jazz industry was exploitative, especially of black female performers. We discussed some of the worst stories of that genre's predatory business practices in our earlier episode on Louis Armstrong, Morris Levy, and jazz. By the early 1940s, Holiday was an alcoholic and was growing increasingly dependent on opium. She also found herself trapped in a series of abusive relationships. So by the time she recorded her cover of Gloomy Sunday, Holiday was already intimately familiar with depression and self-destructive behavior. Holiday's version used Lewis's lyrics, already quite popular by then. The song told of a woman who contemplates suicide after her lover's untimely death. But Holiday's recording company feared the lyrics were too dire. So they added a third, brighter verse, in which the singer awakens to find that her lover is still alive. His death and the singer's subsequent malaise were nothing but a terrible dream. 
In the English-speaking world, Holiday's version quickly became the definitive Gloomy Sunday. And much like the original piece, this version, too, was connected to a rash of suicides. In the late 1930s, a man at a saloon allegedly hired a musician to perform Holiday's Gloomy Sunday and then announced he intended to drink a glass of poisoned beer. Police intervened, saving his life and arresting him for the disturbance he'd caused. The date isn't known, but in Vienna, a woman reportedly jumped into a river and drowned. When the authorities recovered her body, they found that she was clutching either the sheet music or the record of Holiday's Gloomy Sunday. And much like Cherish's original, the spate of deaths that followed Holiday's Gloomy Sunday release featured exaggeration, unverifiable details, and most likely, some purely fictional accounts. As for Holiday, her life after Gloomy Sunday continued its tragic arc. Unlike Rejo Cherish, Holiday didn't intentionally take her own life, but her self-destructive behaviors did lead to her death. In the summer of 1959, an ailing and drug-addicted 44-year-old Billie Holiday was rushed to the hospital. Her doctors discovered that years of drug and alcohol abuse had severely damaged her heart and her liver. Meanwhile, Holiday's heroin addiction was so severe she couldn't even quit for the duration of her treatment. She was arrested in her hospital room for possession. Her heavy drug use caught up with her on July 17, 1959, when Holiday died of complications related to her substance abuse. Holiday's troubles predated her release of her gloomy Sunday cover. But perhaps the spiraling artist chose to sing this particular song because its tale of self-destruction resonated with her. Her emotional cover, in turn, struck a chord with grieving audiences everywhere. Although there's little corroborating evidence, it's said that at least 200 suicides were linked to the song Gloomy Sunday worldwide after Holiday's version was released. However, that trend couldn't last forever. As we mentioned before, Gloomy Sunday has been covered countless times by artists ranging from Mel Torme to Sarah McLaughlin to Bjork. But these follow-up covers don't have the same fatal associations. While many instances of suicide were linked to Rejo Cherish's original and Billie Holiday's cover, we just don't hear tragic stories about people's deadly responses to, say, the Elvis Costello version. That leads us to conclude that Gloomy Sunday isn't so much a cursed song as an ordinary tune that was coincidentally popular during periods of great mental struggles among its listeners. It's not unreasonable that mentally distressed people might gravitate toward sad music. Gloomy Sunday could very well be a symptom, not a cause of depression. David Lester's 1987 paper, Suicide as a Learned Behavior, noted that people who suffer from suicidal ideation tend to listen to certain musical genres more than people who don't experience self-harming impulses. Heavy metal, country, opera, and the blues have a disproportionately high number of suicide deaths within their fan communities. Lester found that people with suicidal depression seek out like-minded peers and thus adopt like-minded tastes. 
Gravitation toward those genres may have less to do with the listener's mental state and more to do with the existing community of like-minded people. As for the rash of suicides in Hungary in the 1930s, Dr. Stephen Stack studied the phenomenon in his paper, Gloomy Sunday, Did the Hungarian Suicide Song Really Create a Suicide Epidemic? He found that Hungary had consistently had the world's highest suicide rate. These issues predated the release of Gloomy Sunday and continued well into the 1980s, long after the song was banned and ceased to be popular in the nation. Stack doesn't deny that there may have been a massive uptick in suicides after the release of Gloomy Sunday, but this could have easily been attributable to the Great Depression, the rise of European fascism, and Hungarian cultural attitudes that make suicide more socially acceptable. After World War I, Hungary's borders were redrawn and the nation lost more than half of its landmass and population. As a show of mourning, the nation lowered its flags to half-mast for a full 18 years. And a country in a time of crisis will typically seek out a scapegoat. Even before Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany, Hungary was the first European nation to pass a major nationwide anti-Semitic legislative slate in 1920. These laws meant that Hungary's Jewish population had to suffer the effects of discrimination before the Holocaust formally began. And the population as a whole continued to experience economic downturn, among other mental stressors that stem from day-to-day life in an unfair and unequal society. These factors surely contributed to the sharp uptick in suicides that struck Hungary in the early and mid-1930s. Luckily, today there are numerous resources to help people who suffer from suicidal thoughts. If you struggle with these kinds of feelings, there is hope. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is always available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255. While we can't say with any certainty if Gloomy Sunday really caused suicidal feelings in its listeners, Rumors suggest that the song was legally banned in the United States and in the UK. In this case, at least, we can conclusively state that these stories are just that. Stories. At no point was Gloomy Sunday ever formally censored in the United States, although some radio stations and other private enterprises chose not to broadcast the tune. But since no overall legal ban existed, if a listener wanted to hear Gloomy Sunday, all she had to do was turn the dial to the next station. So people continued to hear the song. As for the UK, they did censor the song from playing on public airwaves, including the state-controlled BBC radio. They never made any formal announcement regarding the restriction, but the song was not broadcast on the station from 1941 until 2002. Perhaps this demonstrated an abundance of caution on the part of the BBC. Or maybe they genuinely saved some lives by censoring the Hungarian suicide song. But while radio stations and bars could try to ban this song, they'd never be able to stop the tide of deadly music that marked the second half of the 20th century. Up next, we'll explore more of Gloomy Sunday's impact and discuss whether a song can really lead a person to die 
or kill. Now, back to the story. Earlier, we discussed the long-term cultural impact of the 1933 song, Gloomy Sunday. Even after the piece was banned in Hungary, the UK, and numerous American radio stations and nightclubs due to its association with suicides, artists continued to cover it. Gloomy Sunday isn't the only song that has inspired debate about its violent influence over listeners. In fact, throughout history, many murders and other gruesome crimes have been blamed on music. In the 1960s, cult leader Charles Manson believed that the Beatles' helter-skelter was prophesying a future race war. Inspired by the lyrics, he ordered his followers to perform a series of gruesome murders in order to bring about the coming conflict. In 1984, the parents of John McCullum sued singer Ozzy Osbourne because they believed his song, Suicide Solution, motivated their son to kill himself. In 1994, heavy metal band Megadeth released A Tout Le Monde. MTV promptly banned the song's music video on the grounds that it promoted suicidal ideation. The controversy around the song only heightened in 2006, when a mass shooter at Dawson College in Montreal quoted it in his suicide note. In 2008, a high school student in Krugersdorp, South Africa, named Mornay Harmsa, fatally attacked fellow student Jacques Pretorius. Harmsa wore a face mask resembling that of Slipknot drummer Joey Jordison. During the subsequent police investigation, numerous friends and acquaintances of Harmza claimed that Slipknot's satanic music led Harmza to become possessed by a demon. Perhaps these stories are nothing more than excuses. It is human nature, after all, to look for rhyme or reason to explain life's otherwise random tragedies. But the fact that these same explanations pop up with song after song suggests something about this story resonates with people. As with many urban legends, the explosion of internet culture beginning in the 1990s only added to the discourse around Gloomy Sunday and the debate over whether it could actually drive a person to commit suicide. Corporations even found a way to capitalize on the song's tragic reputation. The opportunity to make money was worth the risks to listeners. And in some cases, its salacious history made for a built-in marketing engine. In 1999, the Hungarian movie Gloomy Sunday adapted Nick Barkow's novel of the same name. It depicted a fictionalized version of Rejo Cherish's life and the tragic loss of his love. In the film, that lover was a Jewish woman named Ilona who navigated a complicated love triangle before a Nazi SS officer's attentions ultimately drove her to suicide. While Warner Brothers granted it a limited commercial run in America beginning in 2003, the film failed to generate much public interest. In 2006, production company Filmax put their own dystopian spin on the urban legend with their English-language feature film, The Kovac Box. The thriller tells the story of a man who uncovers an evil technology that can force people to kill themselves as a response to a particular cue. The suicide signal in the movie is the sound of the song Gloomy Sunday. On May 13th, 
2016, Piranha Music released an album titled Hungarian Noir, a tribute to Gloomy Sunday. The set list was just 12 different covers of the eponymous song, nearly 40 straight minutes of Gloomy Sunday. The back cover featured an advisory that read, Warning, this music may be hazardous to your health. Listener precaution is advised. A pull quote from Pink Martini's Thomas Lauderdale added, I don't want to go near that song. It's totally haunted and cursed. I want to live. The admonishments functioned as a bit of reverse psychology. By playing up the danger associated with the album, the publishers dared customers to buy the record and listen to it. Meanwhile, the song Gloomy Sunday holds a legendary status in Western pop culture, almost certainly due to its reputation as the Hungarian suicide song. When the BBC Radio issued an undated online poll on the saddest song of all time, Gloomy Sunday landed at the number four slot. Whether or not the urban legends are true, Gloomy Sunday has cemented its reputation. And scientific studies support the notion that dark music can carry dark consequences. Sociologist Dina Weinstein, who focuses on pop culture, explained in her study titled Heavy Metal, A Cultural Sociology, people who struggle with depression and issues related to self-harm often find acceptance and support in like-minded communities. An exploration of suicidally depressed teens found that these young people used clothing, hairstyles, and music styles to signify their place within the community. So it's possible that Gloomy Sunday has been linked to a rash of suicides because the legend around it attracts suicidal people to the song. On the other hand, that same study noticed that there have been few scientific inquiries into the negative effects music can have on a person's mental health. So we can't say with any certainty whether a sad song really has the power to make the listener feel sad or act on that sadness. What we can say is that music plays an integral role in the human experience. Reporter Adam Krauss attempted to quantify how music impacts ordinary American high school students. And he found that the average teen listens to anywhere between one and five hours of music every day. In 2017, the music industry generated $17.3 billion in revenue from concert tickets, streaming revenue, and other sources. And researcher Jeremy Montague claimed in a paper in Frontiers in Sociology that our ancient hominid ancestors evolved the ability to sing roughly one million years ago. That same paper found that ancient humans built musical instruments predating Egypt's pyramids, suggesting that rhythm and melody have been a fundamental part of human culture for as long as said culture has existed. Is it really that outlandish, then, to say that music makes us human and shapes the way we live our lives? At a certain point, the answer might not even matter. Whether or not Gloomy Sunday can really lead to suicidal ideation, the legends around it are mysterious and intriguing. As author Jan Harold Brunvond explained in his book, The Vanishing Hitchhiker, American Urban Legends and Their Meanings, the lack of verification in no way diminishes the appeal that urban legends have for us. 
We enjoy them merely as stories and tend to at least half believe them as possibly accurate reports. Reporter David Emery further explained in his article Understanding the Definition of an Urban Legend that tall tales serve an important social function. Stories like that of Gloomy Sunday are morality tales or spooky warnings. They're modern culture's equivalents of Grimm's fairy tales or old mythological yarns. There may not be a clear maxim at the heart of the legends about the Hungarian suicide song. But the fact that these tales continue to proliferate says that something about this story carries cultural resonance. People love to imagine that a song could change the way we live and die. As we've explored in the past 10 episodes, music can change the world or utterly destroy individuals. Whether we're discussing the exploitative star-making practices in K-pop, which transform artists into products, or Jackie Wilson's attempts to escape responsibility through music stardom, music can inspire or it can motivate people's worst instincts. And as we explored in the episode on the 27 Club, the pressures of the industry can often spur tragic results. Results we now see that can influence the listeners as well as the creators. Music, like all human endeavors, can be a blessing or a curse. And even if that curse is nothing more concrete than an internet rumor, we can be certain that music, with both its light and its dark sides, is inextricably, inescapably, a fundamental part of humanity. Thanks for listening to The Dark Side Of. Next week, we'll move on from the music industry to explore the dark side of the holiday season. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like The Dark Side Of, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream The Dark Side Of on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. The Dark Side Of was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode was written by Angela Jorgensen, and stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. <laughs>